Hi, and welcome to my sub-series called Hate Crimes versus Hip Hop. So today's hate crime that we'll be looking at is gender hate crimes. So in today's episode, we'll be looking at data, analyzing that data, talking about steps to rectify the issues that we see throughout the data, and then some role models that we see in the media. So let's start off by looking at the data. So in table one, you can see the percentage breakdown of bias motivation by type of gender. So in other words, um, we're breaking down the gender hate crimes into anti-male and anti-female. So you can clearly see that anti-male has 25 hate crimes and anti-female has 57 hate crimes. And this is in a year. So that's a total of 82 um, hate crimes for the bias motivation of gender. And you can basically see the percentage breakdown also in graph number one. Let's move on to table number two. So this is um, breaking it into three sections, which is crimes against person, crimes against property, and crimes against society. So the number of hate crimes for crimes against person is 62. The number of hate crimes against property is 14, and the number of hate crimes against society is six. And you can see the percentage breakdown in graph number two. And in table number three, we see um, the number of hate crimes break into a little a little deeper into more subsections, which is murder, rape, aggravated assault, simple assault, intimidation, and others. So for murder, there is zero. For rape, there is two. For aggravated assault, there's 19. For simple assault, there's 24. For intimidation, there are 16. And for other, there is one. And you can see the percentage breakdown in graph number three. Lastly, we'll be looking at table number four, which is um, a, a, an even deeper breakdown of number of hate crimes, especially against property. So there's robbery, burglary, larceny, motor, vehicle theft, arson, destruction, and others. So for robbery, there's one. For burglary, there's two. For larceny, there's four. For motor vehicle theft, there's zero. For arson, there's zero. For destruction, Damage slash vandalism is five, and for other there is two. And you can see the percentage breakdown in graph number four. So you can probably be listening to me and thinking, the number sounds awfully low for hate crimes against gender. And you can probably think back to, you know, times you heard on the news or times you've seen on your social media feed where women and men alike are coming out sharing their stories of times that they've been assaulted or been attacked against because of simply their gender, the fact that they are female, or the fact that they are a male. However, the numbers do not reflect that at all. These numbers are under 100. The total number of hate crimes in a year is under 100, which means all the other breakdowns and subset um, categories are like less than 50. And this is like, this is odd, and this shows a large discrepancy in data. So it had me wondering, what could lead to this discrepancy in data? Well, first of all, Let's go back to table number three. So this is the percentage breakdown of crimes against persons for gender. What shocked me the most about this data was that the fact that rape only had two and that aggravated assault and simple assault were all under 50. This is surprisingly shocking after, like I said earlier, how on the news and, and social media, there's all these women coming out, sharing their stories, especially with the Me Too movement. So how are the numbers not higher? Well, then that's when I started to research, is rape even considered a hate crime? 
A lot of rapes are not considered a hate crime because it's simply very hard to prove. It's also, it's hard to prove because in order to prove a hate crime, there is some categories that um, you have to fulfill in order for it to be tried as a hate crime. Those, those categories are, are proof of crime and intent. So you have to prove that one, one, that a crime has taken place, whether it be assault, whether it be burglary or whatever, and then you have to prove the intent, basically proving that this act of violence was happened because of the person's identity, well, where in this case is gender. So it's very hard to prove a hate crime regardless, but especially for the category gender because it's just, it's, it's very hard unless clearly stated that someone is attacking you for your gender, whether that be because you're male or female. For other categories such as race, sexuality there it's very clear religion it's very clear that it's being done because it's a hatred to that group but for our genders it's either male or female it's either you're anti-male or anti-female and it's very hard to convict those types of hate crimes because if you're not careful it can set a precedent where now all rapes are considered hate crimes and that's what i think prosecutors are trying to avoid but however it causes a larger discussion of why for the um, hate crime um, reason gender, the numbers are so low. Because if um, when the creators of the, of the law and, the, and of all these acts thought of having um, sections of hate crimes, where there's race, religion, disability, gender, they include gender for a reason. They know that people can commit hate crimes against someone's gender. So why is the number so low? And why, why is there so much fear and, I guess, nervousness about prosecuting cases that include gender? So now that we've analyzed some of the data um, and discussed kind of the discrepancies in the data, we want to talk about possible solutions to maybe increase the numbers of recorded and reported hate crimes. Let's look into some ways we can do that. today is Olivia Benson. I do not know how to pronounce her actual name, so I'm not going to try to. But Olivia Benson is an NYP detective in the section um, Special Victims Unit. And so, and she's a character on the show called Law and Order Special Victims Unit. So basically, um, the, the Special Victims Unit um, focuses on basically um, crimes like assault, rape, um, and hate crimes against gender and sexuality, essentially. So, a little bit about Olivia Benson. She grew up in Manhattan with an alcoholic mother who emotionally abused her. Olivia grew up in a single-parent household as her birth was a result of her mother's rape. She lived alone in Manhattan where she worked for the Special Victims Unit. So, like I said, she is a detective in the NYPD's Special Victims Unit. However, now she's a captain in the latest season. However, the SVU handles sexually best offenses, which obviously has a special um, effect on Olivia because of how she was born. Her partner is 
at least Saber and Benson is always extremely professional on her job and she and her partner are well respected team within their unit so some of the challenges she faced on the job was basically basically dividing her personal life her personal emotions and personal opinions on certain cases while trying to do her job unbiasedly so as she's a result of a rape so she obviously has a very sensitive spot when she sees cases that kind of deal with like where women who have been raped have to deal with you know either deciding to keep the baby or not or situations like that she gets very emotional and like she she becomes very biased and her judgment gets very clouded she also like when victims get hurt or like she's not able to catch a suspect she often blames herself and sometimes to like you know escape her hectic life she will go undercover but she always has to deal with severe psych- psychological trauma afterwards but she has to do in many episodes so you're probably wondering why do i bring olivia benson up in this conversation so she is a great role model in to follow when it comes to how to treat suspects means how to treat victims of gender-based hate crimes when they come into a precinct she treats them with the utmost respect this is to everything that they say Make sure they, they feel that they're heard. Make sure they're in a welcome environment. Never pushes them beyond their capability. Always talks to them. Always reasons, reasons with them. And she always makes sure that they can trust them. Trust her by sharing pieces and snippets of her own life. For example, she's been almost raped. She's been assaulted countless amount of times when she's gone undercover. When there was, certain, there was a certain episode where she was kidnapped and captured and been abused. And she kind of shares those really painful and harmful snippets of her life to victims so they can feel comfortable sharing their story so she can help them with their investigation. She's always with the victim, um, whether it be when they're trying to catch the person and after when they caught the person and they're going through the trial process, she helps them. And she just also cares for not only the victim, but the victim's loved ones, keeping them in the loop. And she just really respects the victim's wishes throughout the entire process. If the victim does not want their family members to know, their parents to know, their husbands to know, she will keep it confidential. She is a woman of her word, and she always makes sure that the victim is the first um, person that she listens to and is the priority. No matter what, she always talks to the victim and always communicates with the victims with um you know information about their case moving forward so the victim doesn't doesn't get lost in all the police jargon or the legal jargon and just make sure the victim feels safe because essentially they just went through one of the most life-altering traumas and the last thing they need to, to feel is confused or feel even angrier or hurt or even sadder than they already feel so she basically she tries to lessen the burden that the victims have and i feel like she's just a great example of how police officers detectives should act towards victims and and i just think if you like if there's any like person that they that people should be following when it comes to how to treat a victim emotionally physically it would be olivia benson and she is the woman I want to empower, uplift, and give a platform today. 
in this podcast episode. So, for person playing Olivia Benson, huge shout out to her. She's a very great actor. And even though it's just a show, it's something that we should definitely take into for life. So, that ends this episode of Hate Crimes versus Empowerment. I hope you learned a lot about um, gender-based hate crimes and, you know, steps that we should take moving forward and obviously have an example to look look at to know how to actually implement these steps in daily um, interactions with victims. So thank you for listening and hope to see you in our next episode. today is Olivia Benson. I do not know how to pronounce her actual name, so I'm not going to try to. But Olivia Benson is an NYP detective in the section um, Special Victims Unit. And so, and she's a character on the show called Law and Order Special Victims Unit. So basically, um, the, the Special Victims Unit uh, focuses on basically um crimes like assault, rape, um, and hate crimes against gender and sexuality, essentially. So, a little bit about Olivia Benson. She grew up in Manhattan with an alcoholic mother who emotionally abused her. Olivia grew up in a single-parent household as her birth was a result of her mother's rape. She lived alone in Manhattan where she worked for the Special Victims Unit. So, like I said, she is a detective in the NYPD's Special Victims Unit. However, now she's a captain in the latest season. However, the SVU handles sexually based offenses, which obviously has a special um, effect on Olivia because of how she was born. Her partner is Elise Saber, and Benson is always extremely professional on her job, and she and her partner are a well-respected team within their unit. So... Some of the challenges she faced on the job was basically basically dividing her personal life, her personal emotions, and personal opinions on certain cases while trying to do her job unbiasedly. So as she's a result of a rape, so she obviously has a very sensitive spot when she sees cases that kind of deal with like where women who have been raped have to deal with you know, either deciding to keep the baby or not, or situations like that. She gets very emotional and, like, she's, she becomes very biased and her judgment gets very clouded. She also, like, when victims get hurt or, like, she's not able to catch a suspect, she often blames herself. And sometimes to, like, you know, escape her hectic life, she will go undercover. But she always has to deal with severe psych- psychological trauma afterwards. But it's she has to do in many episodes so you're probably wondering why do i bring olivia benton up in this conversation so she is a great role model and to follow when it comes to how to treat suspects means how to treat victims of gender-based hate crimes when they come into a precinct she treats them with the utmost respect 
listens to everything that they say. Make sure they, they feel that they're heard. Make sure they're in a welcome environment. Never pushes them beyond their capability. Always talks to them. Always reasons, reasons with them. And she always makes sure that they can trust them. Trust her by sharing pieces and snippets of her own life. For example, she's been almost raped. She's been assaulted countless amount of times when she's gone undercover. When there was certain, there was a certain episode where she was kidnapped and captured and been abused and she kind of shares those really painful and harmful snippets of her life to victims so they can feel comfortable sharing their story so she can help them with their investigation she's always with the victim um whether it be when they're trying to catch the person and after when they caught the person and they're going through the trial process she helps them and she just also cares for not only the victim but the victim's loved ones keeping them in the loop and she just really respects the victim's wishes throughout the entire process if the victim does not want their family members to know their parents to know their husbands to know she will keep it confidential she is a woman of her word and she always makes sure it's that the victim is the first um person that she listens to and is the priority no matter what she always talks to the victim and always communicates with the victims with um you know information about their case moving forward so the victim doesn't doesn't get lost in all the police jargon or the legal jargon and just make sure the victim feels safe because essentially they just went through one of the most life-altering traumas and the last thing they need to, to feel is confused or feel even angrier or hurt or even sadder than they already feel. So she basically she tries to lessen the burden that the victims have. And I feel like she's just a great example of how police officers, detectives should act towards victims. And and I just think if you like if there's any like person that they that people should be following when it comes to how to treat a victim emotionally, physically, it would be Olivia Benson. And she is the woman I want to empower, uplift, and give a platform today in this podcast episode. So for person playing Olivia Benson, huge shout out to her. She's a very great actor. And even though it's just a show, it's something that we should definitely take into for life. So and that ends this episode of hate crimes versus empowerment i hope you learned a lot about um gender-based hate crimes and you know steps that we should take moving forward and obviously have an example to look look at to know how to actually implement these steps in daily um interactions with victims so thank you for listening and hope to see you in our next episode Thank you.